السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين بإذن الله today we will be going over the 15th جزء we ask Allah جل وعلا to grant us all the ability to benefit from the stories in the Quran interesting is as we know the 15th juz is roughly halfway in the Quran and what was interesting going through all these ajza every single juz has a detailed story or a few detailed story except for the fifth juz where Allah Jalla wa'ala mainly mentions ahkam assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh how are you alhamdulillah how are you I hope you're well alhamdulillah I'm well Alhamdulillah, I hope everybody else who's following are all well. Alhamdulillah, we've reached the 15th juz. Inshallah, we'll discuss the 15th juz today. And, uh, you know, it's been very interesting as we've been going over these stories throughout the days. I think what stood out for me, which I didn't really know, is that in every juz, there's so many stories mentioned in detail. Except for the fifth juz, there's more halal and haram mentioned. And I think that just shows us the importance of, you know, stories, knowing about stories, telling people stories, especially stories from the Qur'an. Yes, uh, stories from the Qur'an are absolutely amazing. Uh, I find that, you know, you can tell another story, but it, it will never be like that which is from the Qur'an, because you know that this is true and it really happened. So uh, knowing that really gives you a lot of uh, peace uh, and, and it gives you the ability to understand that I can implement this in my life. SubhanAllah. May Allah Jalla wa'ala grant us all the ability to implement the lessons derived from these stories in our lives. When we look in the 15th juz, we find the very first surah is Surah Al-Isra. Allah Jalla wa'ala makes mention in the very first verse about Al-Isra. We all know the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he was taken from Mecca to Baytul Maqdis. From there, he was taken up and then he was given the salah and he saw uh, certain things in Jannah. He saw certain things in Jahannam. On this journey, he went with Jibreel alayhi salam. So in the very first verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this Isra. And in the surah, in a few places, he also touches on it. I think there's a few lessons to take from, you know, the, the whole story or the whole event of Al-Isra. One of them being the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he went on this journey and he was given the biggest gift after, you know, after belief in Allah for himself as well as this ummah. And that was salah. And I think it's very important for us to realize, you know, the whole, the whole reason for this Isra and Mi'raj after that because the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was given the Salah. So many times we talk about, you know, the Isra and the Mi'raj, and, you know, sometimes we, we go about it in a way where we're not really focusing on the main point of it, and that is performing our Salawat and, you know, doing our extra Salawat, even voluntary Salah, and before that, at least our compulsory Salawat. So I think that's very important to mention. Yes, absolutely. The, the entire story, uh, a lot of the scholars, when they speak about it, they always mention uh, the salah, the aspect of salah, and how Rasulullah was called up to receive the instruction of salah, uh, whereas with the rest of the ahkam, they all came down to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he actually went up to receive from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala this salah, which was 
ultimately a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to him. And this is how the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam treated the salah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Another interesting point to mention is in this, you know, elevation of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, not only physically, but also we find his status. He was the best of creation. Allah jalla wa ala refers to him in this verse, subhanallah asra bi abdih. Allah jalla wa ala is the one who took, you know, his servant, his slave. And some of the scholars mentioned that he was elevated, not only this physical, physically, but also, you know, he's the best amongst everybody when he, or because he is the most complete when it comes to this rubudiyah and worshiping and submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if there's anything we take from it, you know, if you want your level to be raised, especially in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because ultimately that's what matters. You need to improve your worship. You need to improve your relationship with Allah. Yes, and you know how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he was moved from Makkah to Al-Mukarramah, from Baytul Haram to Baytul Maqdis to Masjid Al-Aqsa in within one night and up into the heavens up right up to the seventh heaven and to Sidratul Muntaha and he came down and his bedding was still warm in one of the, the narrations it makes mention of how his bedding was still warm this is possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and more than this we need to understand that anything and everything is possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some people believe that it was a dream that is one of the opinions but the more correct opinion is that this really did happen. And if we can believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can cause a man to die for a hundred years and then bring him back and let him see the signs, etc., then this is, you know, not impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's more likely in the uh, case of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that it can and did happen for him. SubhanAllah, as you mentioned. Shaykh is there anything else you'd like to mention on this story before we go to the next story in Surah Al-Kahf? I think we move on, inshallah. Inshallah. I think one more point to mention is that when the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then returned with this news that he had gone to Baytul Maqdis and from there he went, he was given the Salah, etc. The people didn't want to believe. There was one man who believed him, you know, without asking a second question, without a second guess, and that was Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And it's mentioned that one of the reasons for him being called al-Siddiq was from this instance. And again, we mentioned it's important to read about this great companion, the best person to have walked the earth after the messengers, the Anbiya alayhim salatu wassalam. Moving on, we go on to Surah Al-Kahf. Allah Jalla wa'ala in this surah mentions at least three amazing stories in detail. He speaks about the people of the cave. He then speaks about Musa and Khidr or Khadir alayhi salam, whether he was a Nabi or a pious man. There is a difference of opinion there. And after that, he speaks about Dhul Qarnayn, an amazing surah, an interesting surah. So many lessons we can derive from it. The very first story Allah Jalla wa ala mentions is the people of the cave. In brief, these people, or these young boys or young men were in a community where they weren't worshipping Allah and they eventually fleed with their deen. They wanted to worship Allah. They reached a cave. And in this cave, Allah Jalla wa ala caused them, you know, to go to sleep for so many years. Eventually, they woke up. So 
it's as though the, the story is mentioned and it's as though the people of the book before also had a bit of knowledge when it came to this story occurring. That is why they asked the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I think there's a lot we can mention when it comes to this story. One of them being, look at how these young boys, you know, so many times when people are young, they, they search for the truth. As the Mufassirin mentioned, it's not, a, you know, 100% uh, correct or 100% that it's only young people who look for the truth. That's not there. There's also older people who look for the truth. But generally, you find people when they're younger, they're stronger, they have more energy. They want to go out and search for things. They're not really happy with any explanation you give them to say that this is like this because, you know, we learned it before. They really want to know a lot more. So Allah Jalla wa'ala mentions these young men who went out and they left the community they were in. So where there was falsehood, where Allah Jalla wa'ala was being disobeyed, they left it and went out. And as they went out, Allah Jalla wa'ala honored them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned something very important and interesting as well, that it's the youth a lot of times that are searching and looking. So they end up questioning and at times they are the ones who end up implementing change because uh, the elderly and older will be the ones who remain in their old habits and in their own uh, old ways. And they won't want to change in a rush uh, because they're used to doing something a certain way. And they're set in their habits at that age. But the youth are the ones who question and then ultimately uh, end up uh, bringing about some change. So I think that period of uh, that teenage period uh, and, and beyond that, when a person is still young, is a good opportunity for them to change something and to, to make a change and an impact in the world. Uh, when they're at their peak, their mental, physical abilities, capabilities, uh, they're at their peak at that uh, time rather than being you know stuck in a an educational facility or, or or something of that nature i think we need to rethink our entire strategy as to how people go about their lives altogether you know you mentioned such an important point and sometimes as young people you have a lot of energy but it's also important at the same time to benefit from the wisdom of those who are older those who have gone through life so i think there is a balance and, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, you will learn from here and there and everywhere. Then you try to, with the help of Allah, to bring whatever you've learned together and implement is the main thing. And you're more likely to implement a lot of things and do something new or try new things when you're younger and Allah has given you the energy. As for when you're much older, you've got children, you know, you've settled down, it becomes a bit more difficult, but it's not impossible. Another interesting point mentioned in this story as the Mufassirin, you know, they, they speak about, they say that these people, they had a dog with them. And Allah then mentions this dog in the Quran, describing this dog, how it was sitting with them in the cave, and it also went to sleep probably. In other ayat, he also speaks about the number of people and their dog. The Mufassirin mention a very interesting point, and they say that, you know, this dog was mentioned in the Quran and honored when it accompanied a group of pious people, a group of good people. And also it, you know, attained a little bit of the virtue of these pious people. It was mentioned in the Quran. It went out with them. And I think if this is with a dog, what about when it comes to human beings, when you accompany those who are good, those who are pious, not only do you benefit 
bi'ithnillah, that is good company for you. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam gives an example of the one who has good company. It's like, you know, he goes where there is a hamilul misk, the one carrying a perfume or musk. If he's not going to give you some of this perfume, at least you will come out smelling very nice. And, you know, those who are around you, those who you mix with, they eventually, bi'ithnillah, shape your life and shape the person who you become into. That's why I read something interesting. They say, if you want to look at the person who you are, look at the five people who you mix with the most. Generally, you, that type of person, the bad habits they have, you'll usually have. If they have good habits, you'll find that those good habits end up rubbing onto you. Yes, wallahi, I didn't think of that aspect at all. It's a brilliant analogy, you know, and... Uh extraction from the ayat so the dog was you know benefiting from their company subhanallah and that's something that's amazing a dog being a dog being what it is uh even though uh, it was uh, what it was so what, what i found amazing is that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about uh, that we struck upon their ears uh, in the cave so that they would sleep. You know, the interpretation is that so they would sleep for uh, many years. So why the ears? You know, why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about the ears here? Because when a person wants to attain peace, then generally if there's noise around them, then they can't sleep until that noise has, uh, you know, subsided. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala covered their ears, right? or he, he, he struck upon the ears until they, they went to sleep. So in your life as well, when you find yourself in a situation where so to speak, there'll be no peace in your life, so to speak. So if you've, you're hearing too much of negativity all the time, people telling you that you're not worth it, you can't do it, you're not able to do so, uh, they're always putting you down then there'll be no peace in your life and you won't be able to achieve something uh, from your life. But rather than listening to them all the time and paying attention to what they say, uh, you know, don't close your ears physically, but block them out. And then once you've blocked out all the negativity, then you can actually uh, benefit and move forward in your life. I'm not saying that all criticism, all criticism is negative. Uh, some criticism is good and you need it and you know, sometimes we all need a stern reminder to come back to the right path, etc., or to uh, be set on the right track. But um, negativity is really something that can actually eat away and sap away at your success. So try to block out that which you uh, feel is really negative, of no use to you, of no benefit, and you'll find a peace. And with that peace, inshallah, you'll be able to progress and proceed in your life. You know, you mentioned such a powerful point, and that is blocking out the noise in your life, especially if you want to achieve. You know, there'll always be somebody who has that comment or something to say. And if they could say about Allah himself and the messengers, Anbiya alayhim salatu wassalam, what about, you know, us? And we also make mistakes, as you mentioned. We also need criticism or constructive criticism. But, you know, if you carry on with this, then you you usually don't achieve. You end up fighting too many battles that you can't handle. And it's like a, a wave that just comes and takes everything in its path. You can't really fight it. You'd rather go with it. 
Another interesting point I find when spe people speak about this topic of negativity and noise, I think when people are occupied with something which they're really passionate about, which is of benefit, if you're really immersed in it, usually you won't have time to look at that negativity and noise. Yeah, sometimes you do get it, but you won't really concentrate on it as much because you've got bigger things in life and you're busy. Remember your time, the time you have, the way you use this time. You know, some people use this time to go through every comment or every, you know, every criticism and praise. Also, another important point is we've come to a, a stage in life or a time in life where, you know, there's so much praise being given out. Sometimes just one bad thing, we already get upset about it. So especially on social media, there's, that balance is usually not there. So I think it's important you mention that if you want to achieve something in life, you've got to block out the noise. And even if it's the bad noise, yes, but also sometimes the good noise, so to say. So you don't rest on your laurels. You don't think that, okay, you've achieved and there's nothing more to get to. Yes, wallahi, well, well expounded there. Uh, so there needs to be a balance 100% where a person is, uh, you know, not only blocking everything out, but listening to the constructive criticism, etc. Uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, And when you have withdrawn from them and that which they worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, these youth were ready to have an entire change in their lifestyle in order to uh, achieve the happiness. And they've remained the same. Uh, in that case, don't worry about them. Carry on, change your life, and do what you've got to do. These people were ready to move into a cave and leave their entire life behind them. It's said, and it's mentioned in the tafsir, that uh, from amongst them were people who were from the hierarchy uh, of society. They were, uh, you know, from literally, so to speak, from the leadership of society. And now all of a sudden, they've become hermits, so to speak, in a, in a cave. They're hermits, but they didn't mind being hermits. Why? Because they're with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, you see these du'as that they, they, they're making, these ad'iyah, where رَبَّنَا آتِنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً وَهَيِّئْ لَنَا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا رَشَدًا That, oh Allah, give us mercy and uh, guide us to the, right, the righteous uh, path or the right path. So always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for goodness. And I find that when people do are in this type of situation, initially they go through a lot of hardship. This is especially true for uh, the reverts and converts. Uh, they go through a lot of hardship, but then after that comes a lot of ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is literally testing them. Are you going to carry on? Are you doing it for the people? Are you doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Now, I'm not in that position, so I'm not one to speak about their, uh, their hardship and their difficulty. But this is something that they, take, they can take a lot of uh, solace from a story like this. Yes, what Sheikh Ibrahim was mentioning is that ultimately when you want to do something and look at these, you know, these young boys, they wanted to stick to their belief, even though there were some people from the hierarchy, the higher up in society, they put their lives on hold, they left everything and they ran away into a cave and they spent so many years there afterwards. And this shows you that especially, you know, we find with the reverts, 
when they come to Islam, you will be tested. You know, I heard one of my neighbors mentioning, he said that when you come to Islam, subhanAllah, he says you will be tested. And he mentioned his story and you find that that's a common theme. It's not always there, but a common theme amongst people who then come into Islam or even people who are Muslims, but who want to become practicing, you find Allah tests you. And he says, it's as though Allah is testing your sincerity. So we should keep that, that in mind and carry on with the story of the people of the cave. You know, in some hadith, it is mentioned that this surah should be read every Friday. And I think one of the reasons for that is that you could ponder over all these stories, amazing stories. You know, young men running away with their deen into the cave. They die for so many years or they put to sleep for so many years and then come back to life, subhanAllah. Moving on to the next story, we find Allah Jalla wa'ala, he speaks about Musa alayhi salam. Again, Musa alayhi salam is mentioned in an, yet another verse of the Quran or another chapter of the Quran, the amazing story of Musa alayhi salam. This time, it's not to do with Fir'aun, it's not to do with Banu Israel as a whole. Rather, Musa alayhi salam, after being asked by his people, as mentioned in some of the ahadith, that who is the most knowledgeable, he mentioned himself because he was a Nabi, a Nabi of Allah Jalla wa'ala. Then Allah gave him wahi to say that there is somebody who has knowledge which you don't have. What did Musa alayhi salam do? Did he become arrogant? Did he, you know, say that no, he doesn't know? Or did he say that, okay, whatever he knows, I know more. Musa alayhi salam, he got all his things ready and he got one of the boys to come with him. It's mentioned, it's Yusha ibn Nun. And they went looking for this man. And the scholars derive from this as Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah mentions in his sahih. That this shows us that, you know, you should go out, mashru'iyyah, basically means it's encouraged, you allowed, it's permissible to go out to seek knowledge, especially solid Islamic knowledge. And this was the practice of not only the Anbiya, as we see Musa alayhi salam going to learn something new, it's, it was also the practice of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, it's mentioned Jabir radiallahu anhu, just for one hadith, he traveled a whole month to go and get the hadith and then he came back. So I think that's, that's something very interesting. Another interesting point is that if you've learned in a certain, you know, the confines of a certain society or community, let's say you've benefited from everybody there, you've got quite a bit of experience. So many times you'll be completely unaware of what goes on somewhere else in the world, or never mind somewhere else in the world, a community that's a few kilometers away from you. And I think one of the things, one of the benefits when you travel, especially to seek Islamic knowledge, is you learn that it's it's not you didn't know everything basically you were not encompassing of everything what you knew was very little there may be other opinions other ways of seeing the same mas'ala and all of these ways are in conformity with the quran and sunnah wallahi so true this those are some powerful points there uh, how musa alayhi salatu wasalam actually travel uh, in order to gain some knowledge uh, solid point there and uh, exactly, you know, sometimes a situation or circumstance, let alone, you know, you've mentioned a community that's further than us. Sometimes your, your neighbors, you don't know what's going on in their home and you don't really understand, yet uh, we, we assume that we do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best uh, and sometimes we're unaware and make judgments and decisions based on that uh, you know, unawareness, so to uh, so to speak. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُ عَلَى مَا لَمْ بِهِ خُبْرَةً." Where uh, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam had requested Khidr that I want to join you, I want to come with you, and he says that how will you have patience on, upon that which you have no knowledge of? 
So this teaches us that when we have no knowledge of something, then it's most likely that we won't have patience on that because we don't understand what's going on. As human beings, we crave a reasonable understanding of something. We, we want to know what's going on. We, we need to make sense of something. So when we don't and we can't make sense of it, and as we see later on, uh, Musa alayhi wasalam, didn't have the patience. He says, hey, wh- why are you killing a young boy? And then, hey, why are you, uh, you know, making a hole in their boat, etc. So, uh, and later on, when he even helped the boys uh, build the, 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 the wall up once again, he says, you know, these people refuse to help us, yet you helping them build up this wall. Why? So he didn't have patience upon that, which he uh, had no knowledge of. So even us in our lives, when we don't have knowledge of something, sometimes we have no patience over it. You don't know what's really happened and you have no patience. You you, you blow your, your fuse, so to speak. You know, you lose your temper. Uh, you become angry at something. Uh, not to say that Musa alayhi salatu wasalam did, but you become angry at something, yet you didn't really understand what was going on. You didn't fully uh, grasp the situation. So the lesson would be to learn and fully understand the situation before coming up with a conclusion and reacting or responding to it. You know, as you mentioned, the more, you know, well-known meaning of this verse is about knowledge Another lesser known meaning of this verse is khubra. Here, another way of interpreting it is khubra could also come from khibra. Khibra meaning experience. So Khadir or Khidr alayhi salam is telling Musa alayhi salam, how can you be patient when it comes to something that you have no experience about? And I think this teaches us that, you know, when you have knowledge so many times, you don't really know how to, or you may not have the experience in implementing this knowledge. So learn from people who have experience in the field, not only Islamic knowledge, other knowledge also, worldly knowledge. You may have read so many books or, you know, you may have gone through university, you have a degree. Ask anybody who's been through the the system, so to speak. They will tell you when you get to real life, it's completely different to what's in the books. And that's where this experience comes in. If you don't have the experience, then obviously you won't be patient. And the experience with the knowledge, you know, it's a combination. Even Allah, you achieve a lot. This is the beauty of the Quran. I mean, you know, I use the same verse to extract something. You've used the same verse to extract a, uh, a different point altogether. Yet it's the same text that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, the, these are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he spoke. So it's the Quran is so full of uh, di- different, you know, points of benefit that we can achieve. and really uh, implement in our lives. As you mentioned so rightly, Sheikh is there anything else you'd like to mention? Or yes. is that okay? Yes, yes, actually. Uh, so there were a few points. Let me just revisit them. So no later on, when, later on when Musa alayhi salatu was salam, he goes, they, they moved, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they moved. They came to a village and they asked the people for some food. Uh, so they refused to be hospitable to them. So they found a wall that wanted to fall, so they straightened up that wall. So Musa asks him that, you know, 
um, how can you, how, why did you do this? Yet they refused to, to help us. They refused to even be hospitable to us. So the message is that, you know, you always do good to people, even if they are not good to you. Try and help them, try and uh, do good to, for, for them, because from amongst them may have been people that were good. And even evil and bad people that don't really help you in your life, try to do goodness towards them. Try to, be, uh, try to have a big heart and understand that perhaps they may have been in uh, the wrong you know, scenario or situation or circumstance at the time. They make excuses for them. Try and be as good as possible, uh, because ultimately what you do is going in your scale of good deeds and what they do will go in their scale of deeds such an important point you mentioned you know it's it's so difficult but even with the tawfiq of allah and with practice you would find yourself being able to do good no matter what even if it's to people who haven't really done good to you another interesting point in the same verse maybe i think you would have touched on it is one of the reasons he mentions that he straightens the wall is and their father was a pious man. Some of the Mufassirin mentioned that this shows us that a father who's pious, who, you know, who fears Allah, who follows his instruction, etc. The children are also protected. Yes, there are people who are exception to the rule. We find the son of Nuh, alayhi salam, etc. However, usually you'll find that uh, when there's a family, especially uh, a good family and those who are pious, here we find the father has passed away, but Allah protects the children and he protects that wealth for the children. So I think it's very important for us, you know, later on you become parents or you're worried about your children. Sometimes you have to fix yourself first before trying to fix, you know, your children or everybody else. And be even Allah, after that, yes, you try with them, but the pieces will come into place. Allah. Yes, sorry, just to correct myself earlier, I did say that uh, Musa والسلام, said that why uh, are you fixing the wall yet they refuse to be hospitable, but that wasn't his statement. All he said was, He said that if you wanted, you could have taken some wage for this, you could have taken some reward for it. So uh, to correct myself, because the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously had the best of character and uh, he wouldn't have been asking him that you know why didn't why are you helping or doing a good deed rather he all he said is that perhaps you could have taken a a reward in return for uh, the, the the work that you have done subhanallah now you mentioning the story of musa alayhi salam it just came to my mind that so far we've passed the story of musa alayhi salam on several occasions looking at this story as a whole you would find Allah Jalla wa'ala speaks about Musa alayhi salam as a child when he was born. Allah Jalla wa'ala also speaks about him in the palace of Fir'aun. After that, when he grew up, he speaks about his marriage. He speaks about his difficulties. He speaks about this journey or this trip that he went on to get some knowledge and experience. An amazing, amazing surah and definitely one of the best of the anbiya, the best people to have walked this earth, Musa alayhi salatu wassalam. You know, uh, like at the end where Musa alayhi salatu wasalam says, uh, or Khidr alayhi salatu wasalam says, هذا فراق بيني وبينك. This is the, now the point of parting between me and you. Meaning there's a point at which a person can't carry on with, you know, in this uh, particular situation. So some situations reach that point. When you've reached that point, then you should know that this is the end of the road between me and you. 
And it happens, you know, sometimes I receive uh, messages from people, and this is not to say uh, everybody uh, is like this, but some people are, are so persistent and insistent on some point and something, and they carry on and they keep uh, bothering you, etc. So, if I don't respond to you, that is, that is the, you know, the separation between us. It doesn't mean that we hate each other or we have bad blood. It just means that, okay, I can't carry on beyond this point. Uh, so, if this pious person reached that point, then who are we? And I think we can all benefit from this in our lives. Sometimes certain relationships or certain uh, things can't carry on, even though there's goodness in them, they, they can't carry on. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Let, let it uh, part and, 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 and move on. You know, you mentioned this, this point in Surah Al-Kahf, هَذَا فِرَاقُ بَيْنِي And earlier on, Allah Jalla wa'ala addressing the Messenger of Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, when they were, uh, not the messenger, but the people amongst them were arguing about the dog and how many people were there, etc. He says, فَلَا تُمَارِ فِيهِمْ إِلَّا مِرَاءً ظَاهِرًا وَلَا تَسْتَفْتِ فِيهِمْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدًا Basically, don't carry on arguing and back and forth. Some things are, are fruitless to carry on with. And, you know, you put it so rightly that nicely, هَذَا فِرَاقُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنِي Basically, this is now the separation between myself and yourself. And then he still tells Musa, alayhi salam, he says, سَأُنَبِّئُكَ بِتَأْوِيلِ Basically, I'm going to tell you what you are unable to be patient about. Another interesting point in this story, uh, when he, you know, he damaged the ship, because it's mentioned there was a king who would take the ships that were in front. It says, Wara usually means behind, but in this instance, it means in front. And if you read the books in Arabic, you would find that it's referring to in front. A lot of the English translations mentioned behind. Al-Muhim, he says that uh, because this king was taking these ships or these boats, he tried to destroy a little bit of it. So if he saw it, he would leave it. He usually wanted a ship that was, as mentioned by some people, he wanted a ship that was perfect. And some of the Mufassirin mentioned that sometimes, or even the Fuqaha, sometimes to destroy a part of something, in order for the rest of it to remain, then this is allowed. And you would find that, especially when it comes to business, again, this ship is talking about wealth. He was saving their wealth. So he had to sacrifice a little bit of it to save the whole thing. And again, that's also looking at the bigger picture. You know, sometimes you've got a dealing, a business dealing. In order to try and save, you know, $5,000, let's say, you want to go to court and you want to go through so many processes, you end up spending, you know, 10 times more than that in order to attain something which you may not attain. So there's a time where you have to sacrifice a little bit for the bigger picture or the greater good. What a, what a powerful point. I, that's amazing, mashallah. Yes, absolutely. I, I never ever thought of that. Uh, that's something that's just really come to light. You know, I think it's also important to mention that uh, this is to do with yours and what you have, because obviously Khidr, uh, he knew that he knew the people, he knew Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he had some link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he had knowledge from him. Uh, so we don't have that knowledge, so we can't go about other people's businesses destructing, destroying theirs or their property destroying theirs, saying it's for the greater good. Uh, that would be wrong because, you know, some people end up trying to literally play the, the role of God. Uh, by saying that, you know, uh, let me destroy this of this person and ultimately it will be better for him because, so, you know, just, just to clarify that because really you get all sorts of people out there. Yes, at the end of the day, you know, maybe if you, you're, it's your own wealth, yes, 
or you've been appointed as a manager to see over this wealth, but if it's someone else's wealth, and you know, sometimes, as you mentioned, there's no apparent thing, and this guy says that, you know what, let me destroy his car because he may be going to commit sin or he didn't go to the masjid with it, then that's not for you. Chef and I, I think we've lost you. Yes, I, I, I keep disconnecting today, right? Yeah, it's a little bit, but alhamdulillah, I think we've had a good session. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? No, inshallah, I think uh, we look forward to the story of Dhul Qarnayn uh, tomorrow. Inshallah, tomorrow again we go over the story of Dhul Qarnayn, then Allah Jalla wa Ala mentions Surah Maryam, then Surah Taha. A lot of stories mentioned in this juz or in these verses. I think it's important for us to go over them ourselves, take out time, and you know, we cannot cover every single part of the story. We can't even cover the whole story. We're just taking a point or two, a point or two, and we carry on, you know. Uh, alhamdulillah, we benefit from one another and we also benefit from those who are following. We ask Allah Jalla wa ala to grant us goodness. Shaykh and I, inshallah, we see you tomorrow. Shaykh, jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Amen. Wa iyaakum. Wa alaikum. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.